Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. You know the vibes. What's good, Grace City Tampa? Man. You know, it has been, uh, like you said, my name is Manny. I am the middle school pastor as well as the events team lead here for our church. And, um, you know, it's been a wild ride these past 11 months. Uh, we've seen so many cool stories and so many cool testimonies coming from the life of our church. Uh, you know, one of my favorite moments that happened actually just recently uh, was watching Janelle's testimony video. Like, it's just so cool to see what God is doing in the life of our church because it's really special it's really significant but you know before we go any further I really just want to take a second to honor our pastors um Alex and Brianna uh, I call them my second parents really uh we've known each other for 12 years now but who's counting right um 12 years and you know in all the years that I've known them I could truly say without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, like, honestly, I just kept coming back to this quote because I could go on and on, but I was trying to think of what to say and I kept coming back to this quote. And this quote says, you will often overestimate what you could do in the short run, but you vastly underestimate what God can do through a lifetime of faithfulness. And as I look at you guys and as I've been serving under your leadership for 12 years now, which is half my life. I'm only 23 years old. Um, there's, I, I've never seen leaders who are more loving, who pour themselves out more, who are more character-filled, integrity-filled. You guys are leaders of leaders, and I'm even getting emotional right now because you guys really are my second parents. I love you guys. Let's go ahead and give it up for our pastors this morning. Well, you know, we've been in this series in James. Uh, James is one of those books of the Bible where um, it's just short and sweet. Like James, the brother of Jesus, like some books of the Bible are like 20, 30, 40, 50, even 100 chapters long. James, the brother of Jesus says, nah, give me five chapters and we're emptying the clip. Like it's like truth after truth after truth of just like he's not playing around. And so I love that we've been going through this. Uh, and we're actually going to be in James chapter 5. And uh, the title for my sermon today is uh, When the Going Gets Rough, the Tough Stay Tough. Uh, bonus points to anyone in the lobby after service if you can tell me what lyric that is. Who said that? Um, but, you know, I'm so, so excited to share what God has been putting on my heart for today. Uh, I'm believing for a few things today. I'm believing that you would leave encouraged, that you would leave with a clarity and a foundation of faith to have the perspective, the godly perspective, to see you through your dark, tough, and hard seasons. And so, you know what? We're going we're gonna to go in and get right into it. We're going to be in James chapter 5, verse 7, and it should also be right up here on the screens as well. James chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. It says, you too, be patient. Everybody say patient. patient. Everybody say patient. patient. And stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. 
don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience, everybody say patience. In the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. It says, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All that you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing right here, right now. We pray, uh, God, that, that we would just have open hearts, open ears, open minds, and open eyes to see all that you're doing today. God, we just pray that we would be receptive to what you're trying to tell us today and what you're trying to teach us. And God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Thank you, Tiago. Everybody give it up for Tiago real quick on the keys. Man, you know, um, one of my favorite TV shows of all time, which is kind of interesting because I've never met someone who also, like, really loves this TV show. Um, it's an interesting TV show because a lot of y'all would probably not find it very entertaining. You'd find it maybe a little wild. But it's a show called Fear Factor. Raise your hand if you know what Fear Factor is. See, you, you guys know. You guys know. Okay, so for, for those of you who don't know what Fear Factor is, is this show is a, is a contestant show. So these contestants will come on this show and they will do like random challenges for a large sum of money. So there's usually like a physical challenge. There's usually like some sort of like eating challenge. And then there's some sort of like random challenge where like they have to like sh shave their head on live TV or like get a tattoo of something on their forehead. Um, and you know, uh, just to give you a mental picture, uh, in one of these episodes called The Roach Coach, uh, it's one of my favorite episodes. The eating challenge is that they have to eat what's called uh, maggot salsa. So it's pretty much a big um, bowl of maggots in uh, pig's blood. And they have to eat this. And, and to dip in it, they get uh, what's called rat hair tortilla chips. And so uh, it's these tortilla chips that are just coated in a, a mass amount of rat hair. And uh, as their appetizer... They get Madagascar chirping cockroaches that are just like this massive. And yeah, I'm just going to leave it right there. But, um, but I love this show, not because of the wild things that these people have to do, but because of just the, the, the fact that these people find themselves in such crazy situations. Like they find themselves in the most insane situations. And it's the like, interesting part to me is to see how they navigate that. Like, like, cause some couples like will come on this show and they'll be like, "There's nothing that will break our bond." Like, like we are so strong. We've been dating or we we've been married for two months now. Nothing's gonna break us. <laughs> and then uh, after challenge one, they're like, "What were you doing, you idiot? Like, you who are you? I'm I married the wrong person today, or this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?" But, you know, as I was preparing my message this week. I was trying to think of a time in my life where I found myself uh, in, a, in a, not a fear factor-esque situation, but like a difficult season, um, wondering like, where am I right now and how did I get here? Um, and this story came to mind, and the first half of me was like, no, like, like maybe you shouldn't tell this story. Uh, it's a little embarrassing. Um, but the second half of me was like, no, you definitely need to tell this story. 
And so uh, the second half of me won. So uh, we're just going to go ahead and get right into it. This is a part of my testimony. But if you're ready, say I'm ready. ready. All right, all right, all right. So uh, I found Jesus at the age of 11 and uh, started serving in church, started uh, doing my thing, started loving ministry. But there was this about two and a half year stint in high school where I just kind of decided to do my own thing. I, d- I decided to uh, go my own way, do my own thing. I came into a tough season, and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to take a step back and live life my way for a little bit. And uh, because of that, I definitely reaped what I sowed, if you know what I'm, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, because of that, one of the things that happened in that season was at the age of 17, I got my license taken away. And so it comes time for me getting close to, to, to graduating high school, and I have to figure out what I'm doing. And so after a couple conversations with people close to me and uh, seeing, um, like, like going and visiting Alex and seeing the college, I was like, okay, I feel like God is calling me here. I had some encounters with God in my own, in my own personal time. And so I just I followed that call of God, and I moved three hours away from my hometown to uh, go to this college. I ended up getting my license back. And everything was good. Um, But it was about six months into my college career, if you will. Um, It's during winter break, the very beginning of winter break, the first day. I'm driving around, and I get pulled over. Because in in Washington, cops will pull you over for five over. We're like here in Florida, like you go 20 past a cop, and they're like, hey. Like, (laughs) it's like, it's wild. Like, you will get pulled over for anything in Washington. Um, But... I get pulled over, and I, I give all my stuff to the police officer, and he says, hey, uh, you're, why are you driving on a suspended license? And I was like, what? Like, I, I just did everything I needed to to get it back. Like, that must be a mistake. And he was like, no, actually, your license has been suspended for six months. And at that point, I was like, okay, like, okay, this is, this is interesting. But um, so I, I show up at court, and I show up a little early to talk to my attorney. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? Like, like, like why, why do I have my license taken away? I already did everything I needed to do to get it back. And she begins to tell me, like, yeah, like, there are no charges. It doesn't make sense why they took your license away. You should walk out if you're fine and clear. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I uh, go up to the stand, and the judge and the prosecution say, so we sent you an, a letter six months ago saying that your license was suspended. It wasn't our, like, it, it was a wrongful letter, but you never got that letter because, I mean, I never got that letter because the problem was, was as soon as I moved out of my house back home, my family also moved out of the house, and no one occupied that house to forward the letter for that six months. And he said, although you didn't have a reason for it to be suspended, you signed, in, you signed your signature saying that you would update your address with the Department of Transportation. And so pretty much he said, uh, there has to be some sort of consequence. And the first offer that they threw out was, uh, they said, uh, the prosecution said, four weeks jail time. And I was like, are you for real right now? Like, I, was like, I was like, there's no way that this is real. Like, like, I was like, is this fear factor? Am I getting punked? I was like, what is happening right now? Like four weeks of jail time for like me not getting a letter? Um, and then, and then my attorney, I'm, like, looking at my attorney, and like, what is going on? Like, you gave me this false sense of confidence. Like, <laughs> like, I was, like, I was ready to go. 
And uh, she's like ignoring me. Like, you know, like when people like look straight and they know you're looking at them. <laughs> like, so she's just like looking and then she comes up to the stand and she's like, uh, we would actually like to push for two weeks of house arrest. And I was like, great, like that's, that's awesome. That's so great. And so they decided on two weeks of house arrest. And uh, keep in mind, I'm still living in my dorm uh, at a Christian Bible college um, in a Christian internship trying to become a pastor. And, um, and so I, I just remember I went to go put this thing on, and they must have said, like, get the biggest one that we have because it was like a brick. Like, it was massive. I couldn't even fit my pant leg over it because I wear skinny jeans. And I remember just... just I got home after putting it on. It was a Friday night. And I remember just sitting there on my bed. Everyone else, all of my dorm mates were out because uh, it was winter break. They were all at their own houses. And I just remember just feeling so ashamed. I just remember just thinking questions like, God, like, like how is this happening to me right now? Like, what happened? Like, like I, I gave up my past to pursue you, and now this? Like, what is happening? And, you know, I wanted to give up in this season, if I'm going to be honest. I wanted to give up so badly. I wanted to return to what was easy and actually began to question and doubt God's faithfulness in my life. And, you know, I found myself asking these real and tough questions because I was in a place in life that I never thought I would be in. And, you know, I remember uh, calling, like, my, 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 the dean of my college and uh, the leaders and mentors around me and, and even, like, like, the college people and just informing everyone, just so full of shame over the phone, like, hey, this is the situation. And they all said the same thing. They all said, Manny, this is going to be a tough season for you, but you're going to have to take some steps back in this season. You're going to have to focus on yourself in this season. You're going to have to take some steps back from responsibility, from leadership, and I just remember sitting on my bed that night when I, when I got it put on and just began to weep. I just began to weep because it, it seemed like everything that I had been working for, like everything was going great. And then all of a sudden, house arrest. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because God actually has a very mysterious way of taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it for good. Because let me tell you, church, this two weeks actually ended up being some of the most fruitful, impactful, and vision-filled seasons of my entire life. It was, it was, it was the, most two, like the two most impactful seasons of my entire life because every day I had to make the choice. I had to make the choice whether this season that I was in was going to claim me or if I was going to claim this season. I had to decide if the circumstances around me were going to determine the trajectory of my life yeah. or if I was going to trust that God had a bigger and better plan. Right. I had to claim this season. Every day I had to wake up and choose to make the conscious decision to say, God, my room is going to be an altar for you. Right. Every day I had to wake up and make the conscious decision to say, God, I'm going to fill my soul and my ears with worship music. God, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to get on my knees before you and I'm going to lift up your praise and I'm going to praise you through this tough season. God, because I don't know what I'm doing, God, but I'm trusting that you have a bigger plan. You see, I believe that there are some people in this room today that need to hear this. 
If you're in a dark season, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're ashamed because of some of the things that you did, the choices you made, or even the events that brought you to your dark season, imagine what would happen in your life if in your dark season you chose to make every day an altar. Imagine what would happen in your life if you submitted your life to Jesus in such a way that everything around you, that everything that exuded from you became an altar to God. Imagine what would happen if we prioritize Jesus in the midst of the chaos. You see, I, I, this all comes back to James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. It says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. It says, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. You know, it was interesting because I kept coming back to this, to this verses 7 and 8. I kept coming back to verses 7 and 8. And I just remember like thinking like, okay, like James why would you compare patience and perseverance in the midst of suffering to autumn and spring rains? Like, like why, why that comparison? That makes no sense to me. And I began to research that and, and look at the history and the context behind that. And what this means, the reason James put it in here is because uh, in biblical times, most people were farmers because that's how they made their wealth. And every farmer knew about the autumn and spring rains. Because what that meant for their wealth, what that meant for their livelihood, was that during these autumn and spring rains, that life would suck. That they wouldn't be able to do much outside. That they, it would be hard to live. That, that there would be dark and tough seasons. But that these seasons were actually a precursor to their harvest. Yeah. These seasons were actually what was going to come. These hard, tough seasons were actually what was going to come right before God gave them the harvest that they desired and worked for. And you see, I wonder if what God is sowing into us in our dark and rainy seasons is what is going to pave the way for our growth and harvest seasons in life. I wonder how different our seasons would look if we shifted our perspective to, God, this sucks, to God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what are you trying to sow into me? God, what things in me need to grow and what things in me need to die in this season so that I can experience you in the fullest in the next? I wonder what would happen if we shifted our perspective on our dark seasons to actually look for the harvest and to look for what God was trying to show us. You see, you can't have fruitful patience and perseverance. And I, and I want to make that distinction because, I, honestly, I think anybody could have patience in a dark season. I think anybody can have perseverance in a dark season. But I, I truly believe that you cannot have fruitful patience and perseverance in tough seasons if your heart isn't submitted to Jesus. Because God cares about the heart. Something significant happens in seasons of hardship when we can make the conscious decision to choose in faith to trust that God is so good and that he has a plan. You know, I don't, I don't have an answer today for why we face dark and tough seasons in our lives. 
I could tell you that God had an original plan for creation that was good and whole and fruitful, and that sin entered the world out of humanity's choice to pursue things outside of God's original intended plan for us. And that because of that, sin was introduced into the world, and now we face darkness and sin and corruption in our innate fleshly desire to do things outside of the will of God. But I know that Jesus actually talks about this. Jesus actually talks about this. In John chapter 16, verse 33, we're going to go in and throw it right here on the screens. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And he says, in this world you will have trouble. This is Jesus speaking. Like, this is the Messiah? This is Jesus who went to die on the cross and he's saying, like, we're going to have trouble? And I think the reason why we're so caught off guard, the reason why we're so surprised in dark seasons and in hard seasons when they come is because we've almost bought into this narrative that once we invite Jesus into our life, that everything's going to be sunshine and roses, but that's actually not the gospel. The gospel message is that we need a savior and that Jesus is our savior, that Jesus is our comforter, that Jesus is everything that we need and that is why we depend on him. And, you know, my favorite part of this scripture is what he says right after that. Can we reveal the rest of the scripture? He says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Some of us need to hear that in this morning. Jesus has already overcome your tough season. Jesus has already overcome your dark season. God is with you in your trial. God is known as Jehovah Shema, meaning simply that he is there. God is with you in your high and low seasons. You see, this verse is so interesting to me because I think our first reaction as people and followers of Jesus when tough seasons come is not to stand firm and persevere, but rather our first reaction is to question. Our first reaction is to deconstruct. Our first reaction is to doubt God. We begin to doubt God. We begin to ask questions like, like, God, if you're, if you're good and you're faithful, then why am I battling with anxiety every day? God, if you're good and you're faithful, then why have I been battling with this disease that has been crippling me every day? God, if you're good, God, if you're faithful, then why are those around me closest to me dying? God, if you're good and you're faithful, why do I struggle with depression if you say that everything will be all right? And let me tell you, church, I think that in the dark and tough and hard seasons in life, it can be so easy to forget the goodness of God. It can be so easy to forget that God had already come through for you multiple times. It can be so easy to forget that Jesus has actually fulfilled many, many promises in your life. We can forget the times that God met us in that hospital room. We can forget the times that God brought community to us when we needed it most. We cannot be a people that allow the dark, tough, and rainy seasons to diminish and cloud our view of who God is. Because God's word says that he is good. And if we believe God's word, then we have to believe that he is good. God's word says that he has a plan for you. To prosper you. Not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. And if we believe that to be true, then we have to be a people who can shift our perspective in those dark seasons.
You know, church, the more that I come to know and understand God and his character and his will for creation, the more that I come to realize even more so how good he actually is. You know, it's interesting to preach a message on, on how to persevere and have patience in dark times while also preaching that God is good and faithful and has a path marked out for your life as those two ideologies seem to conflict one another. But I think that tension, I really want us to hear this today, I think that tension is where faith is best built and produced. Just like it says in James, what we just read, being patient and standing firm in our faith through tough seasons actually produces endurance. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 says it this way. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. You know, I, I really only have one point for this message today. And that point would be that uh, dark times in our lives can either produce death and destruction or life and desperation. But we have to choose one. We have to choose one. Because let me tell you, church, if you don't claim your, the, the, the season that you're in, your season will claim you. If you don't submit your season, if you don't submit your hardships, if you don't submit your life in the dark and tough seasons to Jesus, your season will, will claim you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed each and every day. For our present trouble present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we could see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Amen? Yeah. The worship team could go ahead and come on up. You know, this Bible is a very, um, it's a tanky Bible. It's thick. But it's one of the most interesting Bibles I have because um, this Bible was actually uh, my biological father's Bible. Um, my biological father left when I was three years old. Uh, I haven't seen this guy in years. No one even knows where he is. But I remember being given this years ago, and I remember I was, like, doing something really important. I had stopped in my tracks because I was like, my dad had a Bible? Like, what? And I, I began to open it. And I, I opened it to the first page, and it says special events. And I see that in, in 1992, October, that my dad gave his life to Jesus. And then I see October 4th, four days later, uh, baptized. 
Manuel George III was baptized. And then I look at the next one, and it says, Manny gave his first testimonial sermon in front of over 450 people at a Circle Press youth rally. And I, I, I was just like, what? Like, what is, what is happening? Like, I immediately went to my grandma, and I began to ask questions. I began to ask, like, like hey, like, this isn't the same dad that I know. What, like, where, like, where's the disconnect? Like, what happened? And she began to tell me stories of how he was a pastor at heart. How when he found Jesus, that everything around him exuded Jesus. That he had a natural pastor's heart. That he would go to grocery stores and he'd bring people to salvation in the checkout line. That that he was a natural, naturally gifted worship leader. That he would lead worship and the Holy Spirit would fill the room like no other. She began to tell me about how people would begin to ask him uh, because he was in Bible college and people would ask him to preach all the time and that he was just a naturally gifted pastor and speaker. And I said, but, but what happened? Where's the disconnect? Because that's not who I know now. And she just began to tell me that, that he came into some hard seasons. He came into some tough seasons. And because he wavered in his yeses and nos, that he actually let his season claim him. And then one season turned into two seasons two seasons turned into three seasons and so on and so forth until he just gave up. You see, part of persevering, part of having patience in tough season is the hope for the future. God God doesn't promise an easy life, but what he does promise is that he's there with you. What he does promise is that there's a church community waiting here to go through this arm in arm. What Jesus does promise is to be your patience, your faith. God promises to be your peace in your dark seasons. See, I don't know about you. But I don't want to get to the end of my tough seasons and wonder if God had so much more for me in those seasons. If they simply could have been submitted to him. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Come on, now is not the time to quit. Now is not the time to let go. Now is not the time to take a step back. Now is the time to step in, to press in, to lean into Jesus, to lean into the church, to lean into his presence. Don't take a step back, church. Now is not the time. God has so much more for you on the other side of your obedience. Everyone can go ahead and rise. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Um, I I have two responses today. The first is for if you find yourself in this room thinking, you know, I've heard so much about this Jesus. I've heard so much about God. I've heard so much about his peace, about how God is, is, is is everything that you need, but I've actually never even invited him into my life. Or maybe you find yourself in this place thinking, 
you know what, I've been running away for a long time, and I need to rededicate my life to God today. If that is you, on the count of three, would you raise your hands? It's just you and God right now. It's just you and God. One, two, three. Come on. Thank you. Yes, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Come on, we're going to give it a little bit more time. God is working right now. God is moving. The second response is for all of us. The second response is for if you would say, hey, you know what? I could use some more patience in this season. Hey, you know what? I don't want this season that I'm in now to be wasted. I want to see all the fruition of what God can do through my season. I want to claim my season and submit it to Jesus. If that's you in this place, would you raise both hands with me today? Would you raise both hands with me today as we go back into this song? Come on, God, we worship you, Jesus. God, we pray, Lord, that we would submit our seasons. God, that you would give us strength in the dark seasons. God, that you would move through the dark seasons. God, give us perspective in everything that we do. God, we worship you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.